When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily A full suite of Premier League fixtures this weekend and as always here on The Dugout we're on hand to go through them all. Chelsea against Manchester United, two teams that were supposedly set to vie for the title at the start of the season. One of them is living up to their billing, the other not quite so much. Manchester United have sacked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the last seven days. His replacement, at least on an interim basis, is German coach Ralf Rangnick. The current Lokomotiv Moscow sporting director isn't in situ at Old Trafford just yet. He will be the new interim coach. How will that affect things as United travel to Stamford Bridge to take on the league leaders? That's not the only huge game of the weekend. You wouldn't have thought a year ago West Ham versus Manchester City was a match worthy of headline status. But with the Hammers' surprise start to the season, that's certainly been the case. City beat PSG midweek and looked fearsome. Can the Hammers deliver an upset at the Etihad, much like they did against Liverpool a couple of weeks ago? Plus, Eddie Howe still not sure whether he'll be on the touchline for Newcastle for his first game as manager. They travel to the Emirates to take on Arsenal. And will Steven Gerrard and Dean Smith continue their brilliant starts as managers respectively when Aston Villa visit Crystal Palace and Norwich City welcome Wolves? All of the games previewed on today's show. My name's Niall McCorn and alongside me in the dugout today, we've got former Leicester City, Brighton and Southampton midfielder Dean Hammond with us. How's it going, Dean? I'm very well, Niall. Very well, mate. Thank you. Good to have you back. Good to see you. And alongside Dean, tucked away in a corner somewhere in a building in London, not quite sure where, former England and Everton man, Trevor Stephen. Hello, Trevor. What's going on today then? Oh, I've had a busy day. I've been... Um doing some corporate work and I've got into London obviously determined to do the podcast with you needed to get uh, some kind of reception uh, in an office I found an office I found a cupboard and here we are so that's been, that's been my kind of day right uh, you know that is that is the dedication we love here on Correct. Sports Social great to have you with us as ever Trevor um, and what a weekend of Premier League action we've got ahead as we say some huge games there's only one place to start really and that's at Stamford Bridge where Chelsea take on Manchester United that's Sunday afternoon at 4.30 now as former players I'm interested to learn what you make of the Manchester United managerial situation currently Dean United have a a caretaker manager in Michael Carrick. They're supposedly bringing in an interim manager till the end of the season. We know now that's going to be the German coach, Ralf Rangnick. Then they'll bring in a permanent one after Rangnick, who will then move upstairs in the summer. And we think that could possibly be Pochettino. We're not certain on that one yet. So if everyone's managed to get that figured out, uh, is that something players can get on board with? Or is it annoying? Because it seems a, a little bit of a strange situation from the outside. Do you think it would feel like that from a playing side of things on the inside as well? Well, to start with, I think it's one thing players have to get on with. Um, and with the players at Manchester United, you're expected to get on with it as well. Um, they're professional footballers and they're high-class professional footballers. Does it cause some confusion? Yes. I think the uh, Ranu coming in is for the long term to be uh, a consultant in terms of helping to run the club and maybe build a new philosophy at the football club. Um, and he will just start that process early for a potential manager coming in, a full-time manager, sorry, coming in in the summer. So I think that's a good idea. Um, in the present, I think it does cause some confusion. I think Manchester United, I know they're in... They're eighth in the Premier League, but there's still lots to play for. You know, they've qualified now for the latter stages of the Champions League. Um, they have got a very competitive and a high quality squad that I think just needs some organisation and a bit more direction. And I think they can turn their season around a bit like Thomas Tuchel did last season at Chelsea. Um, but as players, look, you're paid to get on with it. And within that dressing room, the players play the football. The manager, the coaches, they get you prepared. But the players do need to take some responsibility as well. You know, Trevor will tell you that as well. 
within the group, within the dressing room, you have your own team meetings, you have your own kind of management system within a group. So the players have got to take some responsibility and take this on board. Um, but I'm sure the, 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 the club will bring some clarity with it and, and, ex and explain to the players what is expected of them. Yeah, I think we saw a bit of that responsibility you talk about after the Watford game where Bruno Fernandes went over to the travelling Manchester United fans and almost gestured as if to say it's our fault, it's the players' fault. But in the end, that performance, losing 4-1 last weekend, Trevor, was the final straw for the board. And after a meeting, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was relieved of his duties. Now they've brought in Rangnick as this temporary interim coach till the end of the season. Is that an approach which surprises you? Because it's not something we've really seen. The whole situation around Solskjaer has been a bit unusual. First of all, he's a legend of the club and did this parting interview, which we don't normally see when managers get sacked. Normally they kind of leave with their tail between their legs and walk off into the distance. But with Solskjaer, with him being such a legend, he asked to do an interview with the club, which was received quite well. It was an emotional interview. And now we've got this odd situation of caretaker in Carrick, interim in Ranić and possibly someone else in the summer which could be Pochettino do you think it's a bit of an odd situation personally it's very odd uh, you know Niall you took about two and a half minutes there to describe what was going on at Man United <laughs> uh, it is that much of a mess and Dean said that um, uh, as far as the players are concerned uh, yeah you do have to just get on and accept what's there um, the problem I've got with, with Man United, you know, prior to uh, the Villarreal game, uh, was they have been so disconnected and so all over the place uh, as a group of players that I, I don't hold out much hope for them that they can sustain any collective. Um, the sooner the better, that, you know, they do get somebody in who who can take some someone has to take authority over it but I don't believe that Manchester United can just uh, click their fingers and all of a sudden become a consistent force in, in, the, in the Premier League they've shown that they're incapable of that and Ranić I've known I've actually known him for quite a long time when I was uh, uh, working in a football agency business uh, he was courted um, by two or three clubs, and this is a long time ago. So he's been well respected, and he has done the rounds around Europe, um, and recently at Salzburg, etc. Uh, yeah, he's got a great reputation. It is a strange one for him to come in and take the reins for a short period of time. Manchester United probably looking at it, and again, as Dean says, there's a potential there that Ranier could stay. Because he has been touted for bigger jobs or big jobs in the past. So it, it wouldn't be on the realms of uh, belief that he, he could actually do it for the longer term. But Manchester United really just have to get their heads down and go game by game. Uh, but just, they've got a massively difficult game come the weekend. Yeah, interestingly enough, Thomas Tuchel, the Chelsea manager, is supposedly a big admirer of Rangnick and Rangnick was someone who gave him his first coaching job in 1998 when he took charge of Ulm under 15s which I only learned before we started recording the podcast so there's a bit of a connection between the two I don't think Rangnick will be in charge of United for this weekend's game against Chelsea though because he's currently uh, the sporting director of Lokomotiv Moscow in Russia but what we were talking about before the podcast, Dean, and something that we've spoken about on this show a number of times this season is Manchester United might be poor and inconsistent at the moment, as Trevor says, but they've got the personnel to be very good. They've got the quality, the playing personnel to be an exceptional side, but they've also got to come up against three other top quality outfits in Liverpool, Manchester City, who they've already lost to quite comfortably recently, and now Chelsea who just look absolutely formidable at the moment. So what's your take on the current situation in terms of the title race? Because it's looking phenomenal at the moment. I think it's really tough for any team. The, the, the top clubs are so competitive. Like we spoke about now, you know, you look at Liverpool, fantastic. Man City, brilliant team. And Chelsea are in fantastic form. They really, really are. And, and Thomas Tuchel has done a, a brilliant, a brilliant, brilliant job at, at Chelsea. Came in straight away, won the Champions League, which is a fantastic achievement. But the stat that I mentioned to you before, you know, he's, he's been in charge of 50 games out of Chelsea and they've had 31 clean sheets. That's, that is unbelievable. You know, that's such a strong foundation. And I think if you look at him as a manager, he looks like he's a really good coach. He looks like he's a good manager. He's got a good personality about him. 
Um, and also he's bringing youngsters through at Chelsea and that's never been the case. You know, Mason Mount coming through, Rhys James, uh, Loftus-Cheek, uh, Hudson-Odoi, um, Chalaban now playing more regularly. It's fantastic and I think they are the team to be. I think, you know, it's going to be a really tight and a really entertaining um, title race. But I think Chelsea, if you finish above Chelsea, I think you'll win the league. I think Man City are the closest next to them. Um, I think Liverpool are very, very good, but their squad, if I'm right, will get depleted a little bit in January because of the um, Cup of Nations or the African Nations Cup of Nations um, tournament. Um, but I think it's brilliant. It's a brilliant watch, and that's why we all love the Premier League. And you talk about Manchester United, they could get a good manager income in, they could do a very, very good job, but it's not a given that they're going to go and win anything because the other teams are so strong and so far ahead. Yeah, and Chelsea definitely fall into that category. You're right about the clean sheets. The defensive work that Tuchel's done since he's gone in there has been remarkable. They scored 15 goals in their last five games. They've only conceded once. They've conceded four Premier League goals all season. It's just ridiculous sorts of numbers that we're talking about here. And they dominated Juventus in the Champions League midweek, Trevor. Comfortable winners against Leicester last Saturday as well. They're league leaders at the moment. Is it easy to see why with those sorts of statistics and performances? Yeah, it's easy to see why, but that's just like a snapshot of now. Okay, and they've built and built and built and built. And, you know, you know Dean, being a defensive-minded player, knows that if you are defending well and a clean sheet, you get a clean sheet in any game, you're immediately looking to, to build on that and get, let's get two in a row, let's get three in a row, let's build and build. And you actually even work harder and harder and harder to, to maintain that and, and, and to obviously go on to try and make records. And Chelsea are in that mindset, I think, at this moment. Uh, their, their quality is, is amazing. Their work rate, I think, is the best uh, in the Premier League. Uh, when I compare them to you know, Manchester United, for instance, it's like Manchester United are driving around with a one-litre engine in them. And, and Chelsea have got a five-litre turbo. And it's the way that they are attacking the ball. Man City do it as well. Chelsea, um, Liverpool do it, again, you know, pretty well. But Chelsea are doing it exceptionally well, chasing the ball down so teams don't get a lot of possession. And the, the, the youthfulness of their team uh, is amazing. The fact that so many have come through, Dean said it. Um, they must be the healthiest English club at this moment in time, you know, and, and that's away from what they're doing on the field. Um, they're, they're, they've got such a beautiful mix. Uh, and, and Thomas Tuchel is one of those managers that sets such high standards, has such discipline and such respect from his players to him. I think that's what was the, you know, the uh, shortcoming of, uh, of Solskjaer at Manchester United. They were, he was on the same level as the players. He wasn't above the, above the players. The players didn't respect him enough. He was almost seen as one of them, I think. And, and you, you need that authority within a dressing room from a manager for long-term sustainable success. Chelsea have, have got all of that. Yeah, certainly for me, the game of the weekend. Manchester United against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. 4.30 kickoff on Sunday. Slightly earlier on Sunday, Manchester City take on West Ham. City beat PSG midweek. Ironically, Pochettino is in Manchester amidst all those United links. And again, City looks strong. This time they played Zinchenko as a false nine, Dean. Um, they, they just, they're just a side who, who never look like they're in trouble in any way, Manchester City. Everything looks so smooth and so simple and so easy for them. I'm sure it's not quite like that behind the scenes, but it must be quite comfortable as a City fan to know that you've got a very, very good team. Well, I think it's really entertaining to start with. I think if you looked at the game last night, I watched the game against uh, PSG and they were brilliant. And we all congratulate them and are impressed by what they do with the ball, the movement that they have. Um, the fluidity that they play with and um, there's a really good understanding and the attacking players that have a, a brilliant but off the ball the way they pressed PSG was was brilliant now I know PSG are probably playing with eight men because Neymar and, and, and Messi and, and Mbappe don't really try and get the ball back but PSG couldn't even get out and it was it was it was so impressive especially in that first half and then to go one nil down and react and to win 2-1 um, they're a joy to watch they, they really really are and 
Um, they've got some fantastic players. And, and you know, Pep Guardiola's built that over a certain period of time. It just shows if you get a manager in place and you believe in him, you believe in his philosophy, you know, they can you can build and you can be um, successful. So they're a top team. But like you say, any, any other season, you'd think Man City would walk away with this. But like we've just mentioned, Chelsea are very, very strong. Liverpool are strong. Um, but Man City do have the frailties. They, you know, they've lost games this season. I covered the game against Southampton. Southampton were very good against them. Crystal Palace have beaten them recently. So there is some vulnerabilities. They're not perfect, um, but they are a joy to watch. They really are. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And as you say, important to get three points against West Ham this weekend, more so because Chelsea and United face off. So at the top of the table, things are looking really interesting already. As for West Ham, they'll be looking for a response in the league this time around, Trevor. They lost to Wolves last time out. Mikhail Antonio rested in the Europa League midweek. Do you think that they do have the capabilities to beat City much like they beat Liverpool a few weeks ago? It's going to be difficult. I mean, anybody who goes to uh, to the Etihad and plays Man City um, you know, I, I'm doing well to come away with anything. Um, the, the bubble has burst at West Ham but is it you know, a, a fatal burst or is it just a, a bit of a slow puncture? We'll, we'll find out. Um David Moyes has done a brilliant job. We know that um, the West Ham players play for him. They play uh, as a uh, as a unit. They work so hard for each other, and and they will do exactly the same. David Moyes' approach will will be uh, exactly that. But Man City play a, a game that's on a different level. They can have off days. Uh, Dean commented on that, uh, and that's what they will be hoping for. Uh, but it, it is doable against Man City because you're, you're right, they're not quite as solid and tight as Chelsea are. Uh, so they do give that odd opportunity. But I, I would think David Moyes would be very happy to come away with a draw in this one. Um, it was a big effort, you know, from Man City against PSG. Uh, it was a big result. And sometimes there is a little bit of the, the morning after uh, hangover. And West Ham again will be hoping for something like that. Yeah, 100%. Should be an interesting game. Those two, the picks for the weekend for me. Chelsea, Man United and Man City. West Ham, that game at the Etihad kicks off at two. Time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily. Still loads of the action to get stuck into and we'll do it after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Welcome back to the show. This is The Dugout from Sports Social. My name's Niall. Former Premier League players Dean Hammond and Trevor Stephen are with me to look ahead to the weekend's Premier League games. And we're going to head to the Emirates Stadium now where Arsenal play Newcastle United. Arsenal were in such good form, at least until last weekend. They hadn't been beaten since August in all competitions. That run was put to a firm stop by Liverpool, who beat them 4-0. They thrashed them, really. Does that result in that display against Liverpool, prove how far Arsenal still have to go, Trevor, to compete at the top end of the Premier League again? I, th- I think it does. Um, you know, full congratulations um, to, to Mikel Arteta, who was under immense pressure uh, at the start of the season. Uh, he eventually woke his team up, and he did that by insisting that the guys up front, particularly Aubameyang, uh, started to work a lot harder. There wasn't The work ethic wasn't... Um, nailed down within that squad They're a lot better but as soon as they went behind against Liverpool they crumbled and that was a bit of a throwback to an Arsenal display that we've seen in the past good players not quite doing enough uh, they did play against a really strong and good Liverpool on the day but I think they gave them too much time uh, and, and space to play their football um, but I think you know, the Emirates has started to look a bit different as far as uh, becoming a fortress. They look a bit more comfortable, a bit more aggressive uh, at home. And they're playing Newcastle United, uh, who are, you know, most teams will play Newcastle in this current uh, climate that they've got there and a wind of change going through Newcastle, that they'll be very vulnerable. And Arsenal and Arteta will expect to take the full three points, get back on track, get back on the rails. Uh, and push towards you know pressurising for a European spot in top four. Yeah, big game for Newcastle United. All of them are because they still haven't won yet. They're the only Premier League side yet to do so. Eddie Howe wasn't present last week due to testing positive for coronavirus. Dean, it's likely he'll be missing again. At the time of recording the podcast, we still don't actually know if he's going to be 
on the touchline at the Emirates Stadium with his team for the first time. I think it's fair to say last week in their performance, Newcastle looked a much better side, particularly going forward, even in Howe's absence. How much of a difference do you think it will make the manager possibly not being there? Or, or are we still in this early stage of his tenure where players just want to impress him regardless of whether he's there in person or not? Yeah, I think it's that. You know, the early stages, the players will want to impress Eddie Howe 100%. I think it'll be more disappointment from him. I think he would have worked hard, um, you know, in the first couple of weeks on the training ground to try and implement his own ideas, to try and impress on the players that his ideas can work, put some confidence and belief back into them. And you saw that in, in the game against Brentford. To score three goals is very, very different to how Newcastle have been. And I think potentially that could be the approach for Newcastle, how they're going to get out of this, is trying to outscore teams because they do have some good attacking players. You know, Callum Wilson will score goals and it's, you know, it's an advantage that Callum's worked with Eddie Howe before at Bournemouth. Um, you've got St Maximin, I think is an exceptional player. They will definitely strengthen in January and they will need to. How they'll do that and what type of players they bring in will be very, very interesting. But you've got to think that crop of players are going to be want, they want to be at that football club now because that football club is a huge project and really, really exciting. Where Newcastle can go now is 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 amazing for everyone. So as a player, if I was there, it's almost how long can I stay on the journey? How long can I stay at this football club and see where it can it can take me? So there will be a reaction, and I think that I think they've seen that reaction. So I don't think it'll make a huge difference at the moment. It'd be more disappointment from Eddie Howe that he'll want to be there. He want to be seen as a Newcastle manager. He'll want the fans to see him implement his ideas, um, and that will come. So more disappointment from the manager, I think, than it will really affect the players. Dean, I don't know. I mean, maybe you do, or, or Niall, you do. Is has he been able to actually get on the training pitch with uh, with his team because of this um, uh, positive test that he had? I mean, there's one thing, not being at a game. There's another thing, being on the training pitch for the last several days, that Newcastle need that. They need that from the new manager. They need organisation. They need direction. Uh, and I'm not particularly clear as whether he's got access to his players. Um, you know, at, at the moment, if he's not, you know, he will be kicking himself, you know, you know, he'd be cursing his luck that he's got the job and then he can't get near the players. Yeah, I, I know that he did have access and he was on the training ground before Brentford. I don't know whether the COVID kicked in and when he had to be isolated, I'm not sure. I don't know what the, how the rules work, to be honest. Does that mean he has to stay away from the training ground? Can he mm. be outside with the players? I, I really don't know. That's a really interesting point, but I know yeah. he's had some time with the players. How much? I'm not sure. Yeah, and I think, as we say, at the time of recording this podcast, it's looking very unlikely that he'll be on the touchline for this game against Arsenal, but he needs to return a negative coronavirus test, which in the 48 hours leading up to the game, which is the period we're in now, he hasn't yet done so. Maybe by the time you listen to this show, wherever you are in the world, we might have that information. But for the time being, we don't quite know when it comes to Eddie Howe. What we do know is that his Newcastle side are on the road against Arsenal this weekend. Another home game for Liverpool as well this weekend in the Premier League. They take on Southampton at Anfield. They've looked frightening this season at times. They looked really good again. They hammered Arsenal last time out, as we say. As for Southampton, one of your former sides, Dean, they were beaten by Norwich last week. That would have been really disappointing. You were there. How did they play? And we know, like you've said before, they can make life difficult for teams. They did so against Manchester City. So do they just need to hope that they can catch Liverpool on a bit of an off day, much like West Ham did not so long ago? They'll need some luck. No, definitely. They'll need um, Liverpool to be below par. Um, but like I've mentioned, Southampton this season, especially against the bigger teams, uh, a draw against Manchester United, a draw away against Manchester City where they implemented their game plan on Man City and, and pressed them, didn't just sit in and, and try and contain Man City, they really pressed them and tried to win the ball back early. Um, and against Chelsea, away from home as well, you know, they were it, they were 1-1 and then James Ward-Prowse got sent off and unfortunately lost the game 3-1 and it, it went away from them. But for 75 minutes, they were very competitive. So they've definitely got a chance against Liverpool, um, but the game against Norwich is a disappointment and a frustration, I think, for where Southampton are at. They were on a good run of form, unbeaten in four games, won three of those, kept two free clean sheets as well and playing very well. And uh, the Norwich game just got away from them, um, scored very, very early. Shea Adams, fantastic goal, he's in really good form at the moment, and then conceded a sloppy goal, had lots of possession, but didn't really cause Norris too many problems and I think that's where Southampton are up at the moment they've just fallen away on those results where 
they get in a good run of form, good performance in, you expect them then to maybe go and get another win against the Norwich um, and they tend to lose a game and that's why they're probably a mid-table team at the moment. But they've been very good of late and they are good against the better teams because they're quite brave. They're brave, they'll take the game to Liverpool but Liverpool are a fantastic team and if they're on form with the attacking players they've got, um, it'll be very difficult for Southampton. Yeah, as for Liverpool, you've already mentioned it, Dean, the African Cup of Nations. We've spoken in the past, Trevor, about the depth of the top squads in the Premier League and those title challenges. And often Liverpool are sometimes questioned for the reinforcements that they can call upon from the bench. We know how important their African players are to them. So when it comes to this African Cup of Nations, which I think begins in the second week of January, is it a case for Liverpool and for Jurgen Klopp for picking up as many points as they possibly can before they lose their key players to that tournament? Because that's inevitably going to have an impact, you think? Yeah, I think it will have an impact, uh, and I'm sure he does want to collect as many points as he as he possibly can. Uh, in the Premier League, no guarantee of that. Um, what you can see about Liverpool at the moment is they do look like, you know, they're looking like the team that won the Premier League. Um, I don't think they're at full throttle yet. I think they they are still a little bit fragile. Maybe the the swagger, the swagger is not quite there. I don't know whether that's a case of they're not quite feeling it yet or they're you know they're not that far into into a run of consecutive uh, victories um, but it's never easy going to to uh, to Anfield um, Southampton will have, have their work cut out and I think it is you're right that's probably going to make it even more difficult for Southampton uh, with the view that those players will depart in uh, in January uh, it'll be interesting to see what if anything, that Klopp does in the January transfer window to maybe counteract that temporarily. Um, and, and of course, when players are away on, on international duty, I mean, how many times have we seen players come back with injuries, carrying injuries? And, uh, you know, that could be another source of a problem for them. But I think he's just got to concentrate on the here and now, get the three points in. And, and I think that's what football is all about, really. You make best of whatever you've got available and you can take nothing for granted. That's very true. And actually, if you rewind to last January, it was loans that Liverpool had to bring in because of injuries yeah. uh, to their That's back true. line, which was which was really essential for them. And they only just squeezed into the top four come the end of the season last time around. But they face Southampton at Anfield this weekend. From one of your former clubs, Dean, to another, this time we're talking Leicester, who welcome Watford to King Power Stadium. Huge win for Ranieri and Watford last week at home to Manchester United. Before we talk about Watford, let's talk about the Foxes. Brendan Rodgers has been linked to the Manchester United job quite a lot over the last week or so. Some might use that as a reason as to Leicester perhaps being poor against Chelsea last weekend. But is it fair to say that they haven't quite been at their consistent best all season? I think it's really fair now to say that they. I think it's a brilliant word. They just have been very inconsistent. Um I think the injuries have had an effect. They really have. Um, the timing of the injuries as well and, and the players it's happened to. Um, you talk about Johnny Evans, very important player. Indeed, he's had moments out of the game as well. Um, and both you know, central players as well, that core of the team has, has affected Leicester. Um, and they're just defensively, they've struggled um, from open play and set pieces as well. And um, there's a pressure at Leicester now, and there's a pressure and an expectation, you know, from from the fans for them to to win games and be competitive and compete at the higher end of the division, to compete in Europe, to compete in the the cup competitions. You know, they're the FA Cup holders, and and there is a change in the mentality there, maybe from the supporters as well, which can have an effect on the players. But they're not too far away. I think what are they five, six points off, seven points off? You know, fifth. Um, position, fourth position, which is what they're aiming for for the Champions League. Um, and they've probably just drawn a couple of games that you expect them to win. You know, the 2-2 draw against Burnley, uh, the 2-2 draw away at Crystal Palace after being 2-0 up. So they're not too far away. I just think there's a an expectation on the team because they've been so successful and probably, if you look at it, overachieved. And uh, the rumours the, you know, of Brendan Rodgers... I don't think that has too much of an effect. Uh, I think he's a good manager and they've got experienced players in that group to, to get past that. Yeah, I agree. I think it would be foolish for anyone to suggest that the Brendan Rodgers links might be why Leicester aren't playing that well because, to be honest, they've been inconsistent before that 
cropped up. So I think that's a definitely a fair comment to make. Let's talk about Watford then. Massive win for Ranieri last week. 4-1 home win at Vicarage against Manchester United. It caused Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to get the sack at Old Trafford. Naturally, off the back of that, Trevor, the confidence will be up. Do they need to take advantage of that Leicester side that are perhaps a little bit below par this term and build on that confidence because we use a word a lot in football momentum and even though it's hard to judge momentum sometimes when the train gets rolling it can be difficult to stop they need to go on a run now Watford don't they particularly with the with the way things are looking down at the bottom of the table uh, yeah they do I, I, if you just look at their league position at the moment right, they're sitting in 16th and they, they were ensconced in the bottom of the league table uh, along with Norwich um you know, from literally from the start of the season, Ranieri had has got a mixed. He's got some fans and he's got some non-fans. Let's say uh, some people think he is, is a lucky manager. Others think that uh, he's got a lot to offer. However, it is what he is doing is taking his team. We've got confidence to a team that uh, Dean described them rightly as inconsistent, but a team that's flat when I watch them. Um, they can get up for little periods in the game. This is Leicester I'm talking about, and then they do go, they do go flat, which makes them, to use a Ron Atkinson, a get-atable team. And Watford should have that mentality. They've got pace up front, particularly in Saar. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they give Leicester a really good run for the money. Um, it's up to Brendan Rodgers really now to to show his metal. Um, I know he's had the injuries, etc. He needs to show that. Um, he can get the team back on track and he has confessed himself that they have been uh, not at their best often enough and they need to do that. But you, you don't know what you're going to get from, from Watford. It, it, um, it, it's a group that didn't have a feel good about them before Ranieri, Ranieri got there. I've no idea what it's like to be in a dressing room with him, but I'm sure it's entertaining. And, and they've got a the couple of wins and it's taken them up three or four places up the, the league table. So other teams should be looking at that and saying, oh, let's get a win, let's get another one. And goodness me, we're, we're, we're getting ourselves out of, out of trouble. Uh, Norwich, for instance, will be looking at that. I'm not sure whether your paths crossed, Dean, when you were at Leicester City. Was it you were on the way out of the club whilst Ranieri was on the way in? Or did you ever have some time under Ranieri? How did it work out during your time at King Power Stadium? I had a, the, the pre-season. Uh, so the year we won the Premier League, I had the pre-season with, with Claudio and um, the first four or five games of the season. Very passionate man, Trevor's right. He's, he's entertaining, he's, um, he's loud, um, he's determined. Um, the days are pretty long on the training ground. I wouldn't say they're hugely intensive, but they're long because he wants to get a lot of information into the players and um, he wants the team to play how he wants to. So yeah, he was a character. He, he was a character and, and the players took to him and he took to, to the players. So look, his time at, at Leicester was uh, remarkable and uh, very successful obviously winning the Premier League so him going back this weekend I'm sure he's looking forward to it but yeah he's mm. a, an interesting guy Claudio but is it true that he bought you pizzas every time you won or is that just an old <laughs> wives tale <laughs> oh well I wasn't there then but he did take the players out to, for, for pizza yeah but it was to it was to make pizzas so I'm not sure the players were too impressed to be honest I think they'd rather have gone home but um, I mean that year was just fantastic for him. So yeah, he, he does he does throw that in now and again. He's, that's what I mean. That is part of his character and his personality. That's what he's like, and um, it worked at Leicester. It really did. Yeah, absolutely. Back on his old stomping ground at King Power Stadium this weekend, Ranieri as Watford travel to Leicester. Final game we're going to talk about before we go to another break takes place at Selhurst Park, where Crystal Palace welcomes Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. Two rookie Premier League managers going head to head in Vieira and Gerrard, respectively. Vieira's doing really, really well, and Palace have been good to watch this season. Their midfield has been excellent. Players like Gallagher have really shone, but we'll leave them to one side for now because I want to focus on Steven Gerrard, Trevor. I mean, obviously, all of the attention is going to be on him for the first few games as someone who's a, a Rangers man yourself do you think he has the tools to improve Villa after Dean Smith's departure because you would have watched closer than most the job he did at Ibrox I think if you look at um, what he did uh, you know north of the border in, in um, Glasgow Rangers uh, he was given a task uh, which he succeeded in doing uh, and he did it brilliantly uh, and you I can't explain to you how big that championship win was for the, the Rangers uh, half, the blue half of, of Glasgow. Um, I have to admit that I'm, 
a little surprised that he has taken the Aston Villa job. Uh, I, I think he's probably thinking, well, there's no time like the present just to go and grasp that netto and just take on the challenge. Because I think that's how he's built his career, by setting himself targets and goals. He certainly uh, achieved what... Um, I wouldn't say it was the minimum at uh, at Rangers, but his goal would have been to to claw that championship back, that premiership back from Celtic. And the, okay, that's that's completed. Uh, but he, the club is still working away in Europe, and um, at the end of this season, there's automatic promotion from the Premier League in Scotland into the Champions League group stages. So that could have been a temptation for him. Uh, we all suspected he was waiting for the Liverpool job. He's proven us all wrong. He's he's going in, you know, with um, punching from both hands, and uh, in that first game, you could see the the football and passion within him. You know, the way he celebrated when Villa went ahead, it was as if he'd been a Villa fan all his life. But it's not. That's not what drives Stephen Gerrard. What drives him is winning and um, and getting the result and feeling good on a Saturday evening or a Sunday evening or whatever having got a victory over the opposition. Um, and he's certainly going to get a challenge at Villa. There's no doubt about that because they've, they've been inconsistent. And um, it's an OK squad. I wouldn't say it's a great squad. It's a squad that he's going to have to work hard with. Uh, they will improve that. Uh, the likelihood is that they will in, in January or add to it. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how it goes. But it's a brilliant start. You know, winning at home, get the fans on side. The Villa fans are excited. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly on Stevie G, Dean, you and him played in the same, if not very similar positions. Was he the benchmark for that position in the Premier League during his time there? How, how good was he? What, what was he like in terms of how he was revered amongst other players in that same midfield position? Yeah, I mean, he was he was top class. So he was, I mean, he was one of the best players I've ever played against. Um, he could do everything, Steven Gerrard. And, the one thing that comes across, like Trevor mentioned, his passion, his passion for the game. Um, and he had that as a player, whether that was, you know, the way he celebrated when he scored or the way he would tackle, the way he would demand from his, his players. And he would take that in as a manager, I think. Um, no, he was class. He was brilliant. And, you know, he taught me a few lessons, I must admit, at times. And it was, um, but it was a it was a privilege to play against him. And it was, it was the biggest test. It motivated me when I played against Steven Gerrard. Um, but he was a top player because he could do everything, absolutely everything. And, you know, if you listen to other players, former players speak about him, I mean, whether it's Liverpool players, whether it's England players, they hold him in such high regard, whether that was in games, whether it was in training. Um, and I think, again, he'll take that into his manager. And the standard at Aston Villa will just, it will go up. He'll have the respect of the players. The standard in training will go up. That will go into um, the games. The standard of professionalism between the players will go up and I think that's what he'll bring to Aston Villa and I'm I'm pretty sure he'll have a really successful time at Aston Villa. Well, his second test as new Villa boss is away at a tough Crystal Palace. Selhurst Park's been difficult to go to this season, as it often is. Patrick Vieira's doing really, really well and those two clash this weekend in the top flight. Still a few more games to get our ears around. We'll do that next here on Football Social Daily. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily Welcome back to The Dugout from Sports Social. Dean Hammond, Trevor Stephen are with me to look through the rest of the Premier League action this weekend. We're going to talk now about Norwich against Wolves, which is actually a bigger game than maybe it might have been seven days ago. Huge win for Dean Smith last week in his first Norwich game. As for Wolves, they come into this one in good form as well, having beaten West Ham last time out. Now, the next game for Norwich after this one, Trevor, is against Newcastle United. So three points this time around against Wolves will make the pressure even greater on Newcastle, who, as we've already discussed, play Arsenal this weekend. If there wasn't a big enough incentive already, surely that six-pointer next week against Newcastle is another one. Let's see that uh, results go as your intimating there that they can get a result against Wolves and then and Newcastle all of a sudden Norwich are out of the bottom three and they're starting to look like something a team that's going to be capable of staying in the Premier League <laughs> let's be honest all of us have written off Norwich several weeks ago 
didn't we? And the thing is with this, I mean, they, they just didn't look like if they, they had players that could play in the in the Premier League. Obviously, it's not going to be easy against Wolves at all, but they've got momentum all of a sudden. Um, what a result for Dean Smith. Who says a new manager doesn't bring impact? It's been proven again that there's a reaction because of a, a new face in the dugout. And I don't personally think that Norwich do have good enough players. And I think that that impact that Dean Smith has brought to the club will not last. Uh, and I think even it could be already over because Wolves have had a brilliant last few weeks in the season. Obviously, Raul Jimenez uh, coming back into the, the group in uh, in a fashion that he looks like he's almost back to his best, his brave, courageous uh, best. Um, and that's been a major a boost for him. So a lot going on at Wolves for positivity and a lot going on under the new Norwich under Dean Smith. But if you were to ask me, I think Wolves are in that are a stronger group uh, and they themselves have got momentum. Yeah, I definitely think that it's a fascinating situation that we find Norwich in at the moment because like you were suggesting, Trevor, only a couple of weeks ago, we were all writing Norwich off as completely doomed. They look like the worst team possibly um, to have played in the Premier League for many a year. I think I even asked the question as to whether Derby's terrible points total of 11 in 2008-9 was at risk of uh, being being worsened, so to speak, and Norwich scooping less points than that. But with the way things are going, certainly doesn't seem like that will be the case if Dean Smith can get another result this weekend against the Wolves side who are in form. Let's talk about Burnley against Spurs. Antonio Conte, he's still going to be figuring things out at Tottenham, Dean. Burnley, meanwhile, have improved lately. How important is it that Turf Moor becomes a tough place to go again? Because we spoke about how long it took Burnley to get that first win. Now they've got it. They've found a little bit of form. They've just got to keep that going, particularly be strong in their home games. Yeah, I think Turf Moor being becoming a fortress and a problem for a visiting team is really, really important. Um, and it is a tough place to go, or historically has been a tough place to go. Um, and Burnley, they have the experience of the Premier League. You know, the players have experienced this situation before, which I think helps them. They've a very experienced and a high-quality manager. I really like Sean Dice. I think he's he's fantastic. Um, and they've got a group of players, like I say, that understand um, what type of club it is. So home victories are important. It really is. You know, the, the result against Brentford, the 3-1, would have helped. Um, the draw they got away at Chelsea, I think, was important because they were completely outplayed and probably shouldn't have got anything out of that. But they're the points that you need that will help you in the season. Um, and then the free-free draw against Crystal Palace at home um, in their previous game, which you know for Burnley to score three goals is is not a common um, thing. So they've got a good group of players, but the home the home um, results, what well, I think, will dictate um, how they'll do in the Premier League. But I'm sure like most seasons, they will be fine. Yeah, definitely think that that's something that you can get on board with as as well, Trevor. You were worried a few weeks ago about Burnley, but Sean Dyche, he always he always gives us reason to feel relaxed, doesn't he? Because even when things are looking ropey at Turf Moor, he somehow turns it around and now they look more comfortable than they did so even a fortnight ago. That, that's true. I, you know, when I said that, I was, I was concerned for Burnley. It was because they were, just their performances have been pretty good but they weren't getting results. And I thought if they got one negative, one more negative result, those performances could actually go down. Um, but that's not happened. They start to turn it around. I actually think potentially they are a better team this season than they, are, than they were last season. Um, the quality of the players, the experience, uh, another season uh, at, this, at this level, uh, another season for Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche never loses his impact with his players, which is a, which is a brilliant thing to be able to to do um he's got that aggressive look about him i'm sure he's aggressive with his determination and to lay down the details to his team and they respond to that i think in the other dress in the other dressing room obviously with antonio conte uh i, I love his uh enthusiasm i actually think steven gerrard's a bit comparable to antonio conte the way that they are in their their spirit, their personalities are very fiery about how they are watching the football match and their involvement in the in the game, and how they they want to celebrate it. Um, Conte has been a breath of fresh air, no question about it. 
I think Manchester United have, lot, have missed out on something there by delaying on, on the Solskjaer uh, um, sacking. Uh, they've now got themselves a problem because Conte is happy to take up the reins uh, in you know mid-season at Tottenham who were really, really struggling. I just think that if Manchester United had been available, that Conte would not have taken that Spurs job and would have gone to Manchester United. It's all in the timing of football, isn't it? Mm. But it's a game that I think Spurs are going to find difficult to 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 beat Burnley. I think Burnley have got resistance, resilience about them. Uh, if Spurs goes there and get a result, uh, that is the arrival of Antonio Conte. Yeah, like I said, he's still got a lot of learning to do about his Tottenham players. It, it doesn't always happen overnight, particularly with that intense style that Antonio Conte likes to play. Burnley against Spurs this weekend. Talking of teams that are struggling, Leeds United are finding things really difficult in the Premier League at the moment. They travel down to the South Coast to play Brighton. Brighton have started well. The season, they, they began very, very well, actually. They've tailed off ever so slightly recently. They've had some tough games, in all fairness to them. But as for Leeds, let's focus on them for the time being, Dean. They're hovering above the drop zone. What's going wrong at Ellen Road? Is it fair to say that something actually is going wrong or is it just a lack of quality maybe? Do you know what? No, I'm not too sure. Um, could it be second se season syndrome? You know, everyone talks about the return of the crowd at Ellen Road. That expectation that the players wouldn't have experienced for a, a couple of seasons may have affected results. Um, but they do have some quality, you know, within the squad. You, you do think of Phillips, um, Harrison, um, Daniel James, a signing from Manchester United, is a young player coming through. Um, but I think Pat, Patrick Bamford missing, that, that's that been a problem because um, they've not scored too many goals. But I've looked at their results and their fixtures and they're only losing by the odd goal. Um, they're at all, they're drawing games, one all, and, and it's the time of the goals, you know, a last minute defeat against West Ham. <clears throat> they scored against Leicester the other week and then conceded straight away from, from kickoff. So I think the quality is within the group. I just think it's not quite clicking yet. Um, but with the manager they have and the experience that he has and the respect I'm sure he has of the players, they'll be fine and they'll pick up. And I think the league is so tight, it's a little bit misleading at times. You know, a couple of, you get back to back victories and you can really move up um, the table and then it looks a lot healthier. So I think they're a good team and they're just they're just adapting, I think, to playing Ellen Road again in front of that really demanding um, crowd that, that's there. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, you know, we can use injuries as an excuse for loads of teams, but Leeds certainly do have some problems, especially defensively when it comes to players that they're missing. I always feel with Leeds that it's often kind of the Marcelo Bielsa effect and almost that he's the biggest character at the club. And if he left the club, how would they be? What sort of situation and state would Leeds United be in? Because... For me, it always feels like they're greater than the sum of their parts, even though they've got some great individual players like the names you mentioned and then there's Rafinha as well. It feels like Bielsa's the glue that holds it all together. So I always do wonder what Leeds would end up like when Bielsa does eventually decide to move on. Anyway, they take on Brighton this weekend, which brings us on to our final game that we're going to discuss on today's dugout. Brentford against Everton taking place at Brentford Community Stadium. You used to play for Everton, Trevor. You know the expectations of the Goodison Park faithful. There's a bit of a problem going on there at the moment. How big a problem is it that Rafa has on his hands? There's no shame in losing to City like they did last Sunday. Some of the best teams in Europe will get turned over by Manchester City. But they've got injuries too. Is that an excuse though for how Everton are performing at the moment? Or do you think they should be doing better regardless? I was at the City, um, the Etihad Stadium, Man City Everton last week. Uh, so I saw it for myself, I saw it live. Uh, and Manchester City didn't get out of third gear and won the game 3 0. Uh, just absolutely dictated the game. Everton have got a real issue, a real problem. Um, I, I don't think a good quantity of those players are not good enough for the expectations of the Everton support. Um, some poor performances from, from several players who have got experience, but I've never really developed their careers. I've almost they're starting to become journeymen and Everton don't I won't accept that. They need they need more. And uh, Rafa Benitez obviously hasn't had Calvert Lewin all season. I look at body language of players. Um, I look at the way that players uh, what effect they have on the game. And I could see it, as I said, live last last week. I think Richarlison is a player with one foot out the club. He, and to me, he should be as well, by the way, because 
he's a sulker. He, he, he doesn't work hard enough for the team. He's angry with the slightest mistake from uh, one of his teammates. It's just the wrong vibe, you know, and um, they started so well. Damari Gray actually started the game really well against Man City and then, and then went off the boil uh, and got an injury. Uh, had to come off. So that spark that Everton had disappeared. Um, Andros Townsend, despite his brilliant start, still still a good player, Andros. But they need more. There's nothing happening in central midfield. Decorey's out. I mean, that's unfortunate. Um, the bit of a mess. I have my fingers crossed. But there, there again, it wouldn't surprise me if they go to Brentford and get a result. You know, I, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Like we said before, if things start turning bad for Rafa, it's almost he's got a much shorter fuse in terms of how long he lasts at Everton because of how he got the job in the first place and his connections with Liverpool. Do you th- is that still something that's kind of hovering around and that kind of atmosphere? There is a little bit of that, but actually it's almost that the Evertonians are saying, oh, I'm almost apologetic for the quality of squad they've got because... Rafa hasn't really been responsible for that collection of players. And I might sound a little bit hard on them, but if you ask any Evertonian or ex-Everton player, it's not good. It is not good. And you don't see where that uh, um, sharpness, that brightness is going to come from because they don't have those players within their group. Uh, they 100% need Decorey back with that engine in the middle of midfield. But there's too many there coasting and there's too many there who have promised to be really good players and, and are not showing it. And you don't get away with that at Everton. And uh, But as I said, you just don't know with that. But Everton is a club, they can go down to Brentford uh, and, and, and get a result out of nothing uh, when you least expect it. They need it. Put it that way, they need it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. We'll see how they get on at the Brentford Community Stadium this weekend. That's our final game that we're going to look ahead to. A full suite of Premier League fixtures this weekend. Fergal Brennan and co will be back on Sunday to look back at all of those games. But in terms of our Premier League preview show here on The Dugout, that's just done and dusted for another week. Don't forget, there's loads of fixtures still to go between now and Christmas. So if you want to keep right up to date with all the latest goings on in the Premier League, including this crazy managerial merry-go-round that we've got going on at the moment in the top flight, then all you need to do is hit subscribe however you listen to this podcast, and that way you won't miss an episode. Thanks very much, Dean. Thank you, Trevor. Appreciate your company as always. That's it for today's episode, and we'll catch you again next time. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily